When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Bald Move Prestige. Jim and I are batting a little cleanup. We, we, we're checking out some movies that we missed from recent Oscar uh, seasons. This week, we decided to check out 2020's Minari. Um, it stars Stephen Young, which is an interesting connection. Where uh, The Walking Dead is about to come back. He is no longer part of The Walking Dead. This is a very <laughs> tenuous connection, in my, even in my mind as I'm saying it. Yeah. Um, but but uh, hardcore walking or hardcore bald move fans will know that uh, he was Glenn from AMC's The Walking Dead for many, many years. Also stars Han Yiri, um, who is an established star in South Korea, who got uh, started in small films and indies before breaking out in action fillers such as Commitment and Hamu. This is her first Hollywood role. Also stars Alan Kim, native of Chicago. Uh, he's a child actor. He's only nine years old. This is a fir- his first star- starring role, and he's kind of amazing in it. Uh-huh. He's joined by Noelle Kate Cho, who plays uh, his older sister. It's also her first starring role in a film. Uh, it also starred Young Yu Jung, who played the grandmother of the story. Another longtime star in South Korea. She's been active since the 1960s. She won an Oscar for her supporting performance. Uh, and Will Patton, who you've seen as that guy in Remember the Titans, Armageddon, Gone in 60 Seconds, and The Postman. Lately, he's had a, a recurring guest role in seasons three and four of Yellowstone. This is directed by Lee Isaac Chung, who um, uh, wrote, wrote and uh, directed this based largely on his own experiences of growing up in rural Arkansas as a uh, son of Korean immigrants. I love this film. I, I was expecting this film to be like one of those like really just kind of like dour, super serious affairs, like, you know, some something yeah. about a family going through something awful. And there's certainly tragedy, but my there's so much joy and like humor mm-hmm. and uh, kind of quiet life lessons and just beautifully shot. Uh, you, you mentioned when we were doing a pre, some pre recording work that this film had a budget of two million dollars and I gasped (laughs) because this film looks like uh, something that cost you know five ten times that Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it what did you think Jim Uh, yeah I I also did Um, I think they get that balance just right between the super serious stuff and the fun stuff and it makes it feel like this is just a life lived you know this is a shot into these people's lives as they struggle to, to make a farm in eighties Arkansas. Um, and I really appreciated it for that. I, I, I tend to like those kind of movies. Um, I, I was looking at this as, as an a 24 movie and going, Oh, this could be something I won't like. Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. it, it turns out I do like it, but also it turns out I might need to change my stance on a 24 movies. Cause I'm looking through the list of movies <laughs> that A24 has made, and there are only a couple that I didn't like, whereas there are like 10 
that I really enjoyed. So yeah, it's always shocked me when you're like, oh, a twenty four. I'm like, really? Because like I actually kind of get quietly excited when I see an a twenty four because I know it's going to be something different. <laughs> is what it's I would usually going to be something yeah. different, and it's also going to look amazing. Like every sure, one of sure. the films that comes out of that just has such such a great look to it. Um, yeah, but I loved it. Um, I think there's something more to this film that I'm not quite picking up on because I am not the the son of uh, Korean immigrants living on a farm in the 80s or whatever uh, in rural Arkansas. But it, for for what I did appreciate of it, I really did appreciate it. No, there's um, I got that too. Like there's this this film feels like it's dense and metaphor. It, it doesn't make it inappropriate, inapproachable. Like no, to no. me, this kind of like in the way it effortlessly shifted between like lightheartedness and like comedy and observational comedy to like serious kind of uh important life stuff reminded me of a lot of uh like like Forrest Gump N- not in like the the t- the, okay. the trip through yeah. history but the fact that like you know it just has that kind of like you know it will catch you by surprise and wring some emotion out of you but you also will be like doubled over in laughter at the crazy situation that's going on in this family uh-huh um there's also kind of like uh, Korean Green Acres. Okay. You know, about mm-hmm. the like the wife who's pining for the the, the urban life and the husband who's, yeah. no, I got to be rooted in the soil and I got to be building towards something. This is a very, you know, the other thing is like this movie made me feel good as an American because this is like a uniquely and distinctly American tale. I, I think so. Yeah, and specifically like a rural American tale, right? Yeah. Like, a lot of... I see a lot of rural um, ethos tied up in this. Like, mm-hmm. what what do people who live out in these areas want? They want something for themselves, right? They, mm-hmm. they I mean, that's probably a, a big driving force for everything they do. Yeah, um, and and you see that all over everything he's doing. Uh, Faith and family, family, very important. It reminded me a lot uh-huh. of like um, another great. Um, like rural observational comedy, King of the Hill, <laughs> Hank's sure. neighbor, Mr. Yeah. Khan. You know, like he was like out of all those guys, he was the the Laos, La- Laotian. Uh-huh. Um, he is first generation immigrant. Uh, he was like the most patriotic and American and, and pro-American of any of those very patriotic, very <laughs> conservative and, and pro-American gentlemen uh, on that street. Um, yeah. and I, that re- reminded me like the, 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 the emphasis on like the, the, the hard work and like, you know, being self-sufficient and, mm-hmm. um, you know, hard work industry, not giving yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. And seeing that filtered through like a little, cause I'm, I'm with you. Like I starting to get a little bit of handle on some Korean pop culture from watching the kingdom and watching, you know, things like uh, parasite and I'm Squid getting glimpses. game, obviously Squid game, tells you yeah. a lot of <laughs> about Korea. Sure. Train to Busan, you know, it's funny that I mentioned all this stuff is like, I would hate for people to learn about America from watching our pop culture, but like right. they do. So I guess, um, but no, I've seen that kind of filtered through some of the, because there's, you mentioned about this being dense and metaphor, there's obviously a lot of, about male disposability. Sure. Right? Yeah, they specifically shout it out in the movie. And how, like, if you, you know, there's a they flirt with the idea of the of the male characters getting wounded and what that might mean for, you know, the long-term instance of the farm, the fact that the, a one man tried to make it on this property and couldn't, and the financial devastation caused him to kill himself. 
And it feels like when I was when when those themes started to be introduced very early in the film and I started thinking, oh, Jesus Christ, fucking Stephen Young's going to die. Uh, in some kind of horrific grain and trap, and I know it. I know it. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> but like when there's something like, oh man, this film is just because I, I thought this film would be heavy. Yeah. But it, it that stuff is there, and I think if you watched it multiple times and probably read a whole bunch more about the the um, themes of it, that um, that stuff might leap out. But also, it could just be that this is this guy's childhood, and. Uh-huh. I've never talked to anyone about their childhood at length and not thought what an interesting, unique experience because everyone kind of like you all grow up thinking that you have the quintessential experience. I imagine at least that's what I thought. And then you start talking to other people like, oh, geez, we were this or we were that or I didn't realize that. Um, And and this felt like that. Everything was was real. Yeah. The movie, I, I was tense during the movie because I like you thought something bad has got to happen here with the stuff they've set up at the beginning um, you know, and just drama for, for drama's sake. Uh, and, and I guess I, I'm not wrong in that, but I just, it, it kept me tense throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Bad things happen, but like, it's one of those things where it's like the family's tested, but it doesn't fail, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, you, it could have been, it could have been yeah. like if, if those, uh, there's a couple times in the movie where I think, cause I was like, you know, trying to gauge like whose side am I on? Am I on? Uh-huh. You know, the mom or the dad side. And I kind of fluctuated based on how the things the things ebbed and flowed in the movie. But there's like two or three points where I thought either one of them could have walked away. And I'd be like, yeah, that's about right. But they mm-hmm. chose not to. Um, I thought that was great. I also thought that these are some of the best written kid. Like, like yeah. this guy hasn't forgotten about what it's like to be a kid and how you're not supposed to talk about it. But like sometimes being a kid sucks and you have to like deal with uncomfortable, weird you know, family members and things that make mm-hmm. you feel uncomfortable. And if you just want to tell, like, just just level someone's like, this sucks. You're always told you can't say that. And uh, the, this guy has not forgotten what it's like to be nine years old and have to share uh, a bedroom with grandma. Yeah. <laughs> Which I've never had to do, but the, 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 it was painted a vivid picture, you know? Sure. Sure. Uh, extended family members you don't see often. It can be awkward around them. Yeah, and like his conceptual, his conception of what a grandma is. Oh, probably boy. never seen his grandma, and then he meets his grandma, and that's so different. But that was such a nice journey and arc too, <laughs> right? It's it's interesting because like you do think of like these kindly old grandmas baking cookies in like American culture, right? Right. And I'm right. sure those those grandmas exist in Korean culture also, but I also think of the hard swearing, smoking, drinking. Uh, mahjong yeah. playing grandmas <laughs> who are going to curse you out at the table. Yeah, it's th- th- those scenes were so good. Yeah, and and to find out like what is a, the what is quintessentially most grandma about a grandma and the fact that she loves you no matter what and is there to protect you. Um, yeah, you know maybe it, like maybe the the cookie baking isn't isn't that important, but like oh my god, there's right. so much hilarious shit between the little boy Daniel and his grandma. Uh-huh. Uh, various drinking, like it, it. There's a lot of stuff involving urinary tracts. Yeah, her assessment of his, uh, his, his revenge against her deer antler tea. It's uh, <laughs> and, and it's it's, it's all tied up also in his fear of death and his illness and his religion and there's a lot of like complex oh, yeah. stuff going on here that I found fascinating. Yeah, like um, I, I kept on thinking. Um, and there's a, like, there's like, like a, like a culture clash between the kids, 
Yeah. Um, you know, like uh, I think his mom had some kind of Korean idea of what it's like to pray and and see heaven. But as an American kid, if my mom told me you should go to sl- you should go to sleep and pray that you see heaven tonight, I'm thinking she's wanting me to die. And well, I especially felt when like you're, there was if you're sitting in the uh, I, I don't know what religion the the church was that they were in. But Some kind he's of he's probably getting a right? lot of That's messaging the... around hell, right? And like, yeah, sure, you know the the inherent wickedness of humans or whatever and like that would scare a child and yeah and so yeah there's, there's a the lot gr- of a lot of like crossover between like american and korean cultures that mixes in strange ways here and it's why because hers the, the grandmother was like myopic and ignorant about a lot of american culture and kind of like obtuse mm-hmm. and <laughs> you know I would, i'd say uh yeah insensitive but she's also like very perceptive about some of the issues that he was like you know facing about like that particular one yeah the fact that like my god your mother uh trying to comfort you is scaring the shit out of you by even you know making this thing something you got to worry about and you're listening Mm -hmm. to it and it's getting worse it's getting um yeah yeah there's there's so much packed into it because i was just thinking about all the stuff we could talk about and then you brought up the fact that this is also not not about religion there's a lot about you know especially small town rural religion and um you know what the you'd think that like going to like a korean man and woman moving into the middle of arkansas in the 80s would be like a tale full of like racism right and there is that but it's more the benign like we don't know anything about you and you're different and we have questions but once that's mm-hmm. over things are kind of cool yeah you're just people it's yeah it's surprisingly devoid of racism and i don't know if that's true to uh uh lee isaac's history his growing up in arkansas um, yeah. if that's what he saw that people didn't actually treat them very poorly or what but yeah yeah, I was surprised by that. It feels like it's something that it's easier for um, communities that don't have any kind of pre-existing relationship with America to do, or something that's so long. Like you know, if you're holding the, of course, I guess this is in the '80s, so you're holding the grudge about the Korean War. That's it's long. That was a long time ago. It's as long as uh, you know uh, it is between us and Vietnam now. Longer. Um, and you know, already like, you know, no one is like really holding the hate boner for Vietnam. I, I don't think doesn't seem like it's big in the culture. So it's, 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 it's interesting how these people can go out there and kind of like be accepted and, and very much like the, the King of the Hill, Hank Hill kind of way, um, outsider insiders. I, I, yeah, I I thought this movie felt good. I thought it was going to break my heart at the end. (laughs) <laughs> and it and and it and it I well you know what I don't know like yeah I feel like I've already said too much I feel like you should you should have uh, almost no preconceptions about this movie because um, all my preconceptions are wrong and I I ended up lo- loving it yeah another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want to 
one thing I so like I guess we can get into spoilers now, but before I do, I'll just kind of briefly describe what the movie is about. Uh, as you probably already surmised, this is about a first generation Korean immigrant family that came over to uh, California for some reason. Uh, the dad has a facility at sexing chickens, mm-hmm. the practice of quickly identifying and egg laying um chickens the chickens that are bred for their eggs uh which are the male chicks from the female chicks because you want to separate the male chicks and kill them as rapidly as possible because they're just a financial drain on the egg laying industry how's the male breast on a chicken i don't even know i guess so i guess it's literally not because they used to in the olden days uh female chickens got sorted into the egg laying and the male chickens were fattened up and slaughtered. But as we had, uh, you know, bred these chickens to be distinctly meat bearing, like have big, juicy, plump Mm -hmm. breasts and thighs versus the egg laying, which are very efficient at year round laying eggs for two to three years. Um, no one wanted the male chicks from, so it was literally faster to just run them through a high speed macerator than it is to mm. do anything else with them. Um, All right. So yeah, uh, he 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 sexes chickens, and uh, they're they were they were living leaving a de- decent life in L.A. Um, but he felt like they weren't getting anywhere, so they came to Arkansas to start a farm. And it's all about uh, him trying to figure out farming, being accepted in the community, his wife's misgivings of moving so far away from family and from hospital resources for her for their young son's medical condition and how do you reconcile what is best for what is best for family let me ask you this he seems to have some experience with farming or at least some knowledge about it do you think that's from reading he's done or do you think that's from his upbringing in korea because he also says he had a hard life in korea it's hard to tell um it's because like I when I first started watching this film, my conception was, oh, his parents must have come over as like refugees during or immediately after the Korean War. Um, and then but then, yeah, they established like halfway through and his wife and him are talking late one night about, uh, you know, what their life was like in Korea. So they they came over themselves. Yeah, their first generation. So, yeah, they could have been farmers um, or at least that was some makes- aspect of their life. He, because he, 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 he's growing Korean crops and he seems mm-hmm. like he knows a lot, but there's a couple other things because he keeps on saying, This is how you farm in America, which seems like a contrast for how you farm in Korea. But also, like, he didn't know the proper spacing of planting some of these Korean plants, but that might be differences in like Arkansas climate and soil. That the, and this is kind of like a, a blending of, or of, maybe the differences between gardening and farming, right? Like for high production, high yield stuff, you want to place them farther apart. So they get bigger. Whereas small yield, like family farm, you got to worry about square footage. Yeah. Right. That might be something too. I, that's a, I, I would love though. I will almost certainly watch this film again with Cecily, but, um, yeah, at first, I, I I couldn't really say. It did feel like he he had a mix of kind of like his own common sense wisdom, which sometimes uh-huh. um, led him to success, other times led him to failure. Um, but there was also yeah, it like... It seems like he's uh, intelligent about it, at least. He's very smart. And he's not very smart. superstitious. He, he's not really a churchgoer. He doesn't believe in uh, water dowsing, things like that. Yeah, I think they make a point of him like going back to church, and they he they he did goes once or twice, but like notably he starts being absent from. So like I think, especially when the, his wife was talking to um, 
one of her coworkers about like why haven't they started a, a church out here? And it's like a lot of people came out here to get away from a Korean church. You know? <laughs> yeah, um, it seemed like something he was doing as outreach to his wife. That's what I thought. As so opposed too. to wanting to go to church. But it's weird because so that's something else that the movie had this kind of duality like. um he goes and surveys the land. You know, he has a doubt, a guy with a dowsing rod come out. Dowsing rods are, are, are full of shit, right? Yeah, of course. Um, I don't, I, there's no, there's no scientific evidence that the, in, in the, the dowsing is a real thing. Um, so this guy walks around and, and it makes a big point of saying, well, you know, you can pay 300 bucks for my dowsing intelligence or you can't do it. The guy's like, yeah, get out of here. And he goes with the sun. They look at the lay of the land and find the lowest spots or shady spots as parts of trees. And like, this is where we dig our well and everything works great until it runs dry mm-hmm. and at the end of the movie they end up getting a dowsing rod and I'm like I, I don't know this movie walks that line between you know w- w- like 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 faith spirituality what's real what are things that are empirical what are things aren't and I found some of that stuff confusing um, yeah I and I look at that last scene and I'm thinking okay well he's clearly like leaning on whatever kind of like I, I don't know. Is that Western mysticism with the dowsing? Is that a thing? Oh, I think uh, you did. Yeah, that's a great, great way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. And and then, but but the, the results of that. It's called pseudoscience, but I think if you were right. outside the culture, you'd be like, oh, that's Western mysticism. Yeah, yeah. But the end result of it is he kind of digs in roughly the same type of area that uh, Jacob did mm. when he first just used, you know, his common sense and, and science to figure this out um it's at the tree line right it's in a low spot it's you can see that it's very similar in in its terrain but yeah maybe he'll just get luckier with this that's the thing i've heard the dowsing works because number one the people like are pretty good at finding well spots because of like things that they notice in the land right um but also that like most places in america in the plains if you dig down a modest depth you're going to hit the groundwater table and have plenty of water sure uh this might change in the future it's probably changing in the future right now uh but uh but yeah i i don't know that's one of like my earliest um pseudoscientific bigotries like i remember like being attracted to skepticism by watching like uh, a nature special with james randy where he just like embarrassed and humiliated these these goddamn dowsing rod guys nice (laughs) by setting up all kinds of like tests over water pipes and buried water and known you know and they yeah they obviously you, you can't you can't detect underground water with a stick no and a prayer you can't not possible yeah so but that's but I will say that. So this is I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I notice in Lee Isaac, he himself seems like he's a bit of a mystical dude because he was uh, trying to find out what he wanted to write about or what his next movie project was going to be. And he wanted to adapt this one Korean lady's uh, autobiographical story. And she said, absolutely not. This is a book. I don't want to made into a movie. No deal. And he was kind of despondent. And he sat in a cafe and he said, I closed my eyes and like tune myself in the universe and the name of this author rung out in my ears and he looked into her and he came upon this, uh, this quote about how she was um, a person who lived in a rural area, grew up in a rural area and started writing stories about life in the city because she thought the rural life wasn't very interesting mm-hmm. and she never really sold well. Um, 
and she felt unfulfilled. Then she decided to write something based on her own experiences. And she said, um, life began for me when I ceased to admire and began to remember. Hmm. And then she started writing about stuff about her rural roots and it started selling well. So he with rural roots decided to put those, those, those same things instead of admiring other stories that he wanted to tell, like, yeah. And he went in and uh, over the course of a few days, he wrote down 80 different childhood memories like the, you know, showing up to this dilapidated farm with a single wide trailer and his mom being horrified <laughs> and the way the soil smelled after his dad tilled it and how pleased he was with it. And like all these and he ended up with like 80 different, like essentially scenes and he put them together into a, a movie. And but like. To me, the idea of going to a cafe and closing my eyes and tuning myself in the universe and hearing someone's name pop up and then like that's kind of dowsing rod, right? Yeah, sure. I, I, I think if you put a, if you think you could put a gun to Mr. Chung's head, he might be like, "I'm eighty twenty on dowsing rod." I think they're I think they're real. <laughs> I think they're real. Sure. No. I, yeah, I, th- that's the thing. When we got to the when we got to that point and he, he's relying on the dowsing rod, I'm thinking, what is the movie trying to say about his changed attitude is this just something where like he's not going to rely solely on his own knowledge and know-how and skill or is this something something else fundamentally that's changed because at this point like his family has come back together yeah they've all been through a hardship together uh his wife has seen that she you know th- th- they will save each other as they say in this film literally yeah literally and now they're all kind of out there working on the farm together as a family. And they're also using the dowsing rod. So I, I'm i looking at that and I'm saying, okay, what what is it that has changed about these characters at the end of this film? And it's got to be that self-sufficient nature, right? Like he well, softened maybe, on that just a bit. Yeah, because like I think there's also like uh, there's a little bit of like dad's way or the highway. Like he was totally. ultimately making all the calls and all the shots and taking all the risks. And sometimes he was wrong. And to me, yeah. like if the way I read that, and it's probably not the way you know, because again, Lee Isaac I think believes in dowsing rods. Um, it's kind of like this should be a partnership and not just like the direction of how we live and where we live and who we live with and what relatives get invited to the farm, but also like, you know, maybe the mom should be able to free to make mistakes that could waste the family's fortune because why not? You know, why uh-huh. doesn't she have the right to, to, to make some big calls that might ultimately be wrong because not all of his calls are right. And I think it's yeah. more of a, a yielding. Cause I, I feel like yeah. um, the dad was not a very yielding character coming out here. Um, Agreed. Yeah, this was his dream. He felt like this was his shot to prove, I think, more to himself than his family that he could that he could succeed, that he could do something worthwhile, Um, because I don't think he's very connected to his family early on in this movie. I think it takes the span of this movie for him to reconnect to them. And the idea that you can like take risks with your children, like literally risk their health, their well-being, take calculated risks to get ahead because, you know, the other possibilities you stay in california you barely get by looking at chicken butts for 30 or 40 years and then you die uh-huh. <laughs> maybe your kids go to college and love but like i i like i and also i guess i respected his that, that's where i ultimately came down mostly on the dad side because he also said if i fail at this then uh, then then i'll give it up and, and, I'll, and i'll move um 
And it's well, so, does, does so complicated that? at the end. I thought he did. I thought he did. But it was really complicated at the end because I thought they made that deal. And then it turned out that he was going to make it. You know, he had this big contract come through. And yeah. and the kid, we got good news in the kid's health. He doesn't have a heart murmur, so it's no longer dangerous for him to be away from him. He's as healthy as any other nine-year-old. Healthier, maybe. Getting there. And, like, she had this thoughtful look on her face that she's getting all this good news. And then she drops the bomb, like, I can't do this anymore. I thought that was... Yeah, it's because he was off trying to sell his vegetables while they were tending to the child, right? Like, he, he, he was carrying this box of vegetables into the uh, exam room the way that he maybe should have been carrying his son into the exam room. I guess, but he that's did, why was, he was there. He, he was there. He was, but doctor. that's not why he was there, right? He was there to sell his veggies, he wasn't there he to, hmm. to support his son. Hmm. I'm trying to think if there's evidence that he was. I don't know. It's because, like, again, I've only seen the movie once. Um, because I, because, because the way I interpreted that scene of her being like, "Well, I just had enough." Like, it wasn't clear to me what changed her mind. Um, maybe I, to me, it's just it was like, the attitude, and not not like the physical presence. Yes, he was there physically in the rooms, but his mind was elsewhere. He did not care as much about his son as he cared about the the farm well what did what did the barn burning down because to me that was like the ultimate right. him like leaving his kids in the car and letting grandma wander was was <laughs> like another statement that he cared more about these vegetables than the family but also you had the kind of like the juju of this prophecy being fulfilled you know we're going hmm. to leave korea come to america and save each other yeah and, and like that was that, the thing that tied into her kind of like spiritual side, maybe. Yeah. All the, all the vegetables burn, right? Like they went into this place, this burning building together to try and salvage some of these veggies and they couldn't. And ultimately they had to pull each other out of the fire. But that and, was her that was also it. jumping in with both feet to like help his, save his dream for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, cause also like, uh, they had been fighting up to that. Like it, it's a lot of great scenes of them almost getting like, you know, you could see flashes of what probably once was a, a torrid romance, you know, and uh-huh. and, you know, things looking up or her kind of pulling away from him or him kind of pulling away from her. But this like as soon as they're in that burning uh, building, they're calling each other honey and dearest and all this for the first time in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like that's what's like. I'm, I feel like another time through a lot of these things would all come together and crystallize for me. But I'm just like, I, just, I think so. they're just at my fingertips right now, like on the tip yeah, of my tongue. Same here. Um, and there's a lot of that stuff around the religious uh, angle, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, in well, more that's, detail. Okay, so let's 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 stay on that because I think that's one of the most interesting things in the movie that they established this guy Will Patton, who read to me as dangerous when we first he stumbles onto yeah. the farm, talking about I can't I know about Korea and I got Korean money and I was in the war and. And he wanting to, wanting to do an exorcism on the farm and and he's kind of like creeping everybody out, but it's like one of those. You know, maybe we should be more tolerant of harmless weirdos. Yeah, and I guess I guess like the number one thing I wanted to say here for any uh, Korean families who are watching this movie, who are looking at Will Patton and thinking, "Oh, that that's an American. That's a portrayal of an American, uh, a rural American person." This is also weird. He he's a weird character by American standards. Oh, make yeah. no mistake. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, don't think that that is a normal 
behavior from a religious person in no. the South. <laughs> Hauling a, a whole ass cross around your back every Sunday right. in lieu of going to church is definitely outside even extreme Christian denominations you know yeah like, but that would be weird by few... like church of god standards that would be weird by <laughs> southern like, baptist spe- standards it's 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 getting close southern baptist but yeah like speaking in tongues is you're 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 uh-huh. you're already at a pretty far evangelical fundamentalist experience and then you go on to that to like physical mortification it's like whoa right whoa, I, but whoa, i wanted Mart- <laughs> martin luther nailed a whole bunch of shit on the door so we don't have to do this no more <laughs> right but, but i wanted to say that because he's one of the few white like american characters in this movie and he's portrayed pretty radically so i yeah i just want to make sure people know that but without hypocrisy i think the other thing is like there's without cruelty and hypocrisy oh certainly yeah the movie treats him very well it's Which just is kind he's, of, that's another thing is like everyone that i've seen that's this religiously nutty i couldn't say that about they've always been what i would call bad people y- yes um, and I like the portrayal too, right? He is a weird dude. He's clearly got some things in his past, some some uh, demons that he's trying to to keep at bay here. Probably stemming from his war experiences, like he's uh-huh. looking to exercise them from himself as much. Yeah, he thanks God when he first encounters Jacob, um, knowing that he is Korean. Uh, I don't know if he feels he's being given an opportunity here to make some kind of amends or or to connect more with a, a, a past version of himself or something. I don't know exactly what's going on there, but yeah, he's definitely haunted by something here. Um, and it comes out also in the the cigarette scene, right, where where Jacob offers him a pack of cigarettes and he's like, no, no, get the, you know, get those devil whatever is away from me. You know, Jesus, I mean, take them away or whatever. Yeah. I wonder what's up with that. Is that more of just like, uh, you know, like a real extreme Southern Baptist won't dance, won't drink, won't like, it's almost like a little bit of Mormon Maybe? where they avoid stimulants and, and mm-hmm. nicot- I, or yeah, I, I or was, it could be his own. He knows his own vices. Um, and he knows the paths he goes down. Um, yeah, I don't there's know. so many interesting um, because there's like you know some commentary on like what makes family because he starts getting invited to family dinners. There's also a really great scene where um, throughout the whole movie, this little boy's wanted to play with these you know or go spend the night over this white kid's house, and he finally gets to go when his mom's in the hospital or his grandma's in the hospital because she has a stroke. And there's all kinds of like really interesting like authentic rural hell raising going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the way to his, back home to drop it off, like uh, they see this guy dragging his cross and the family starts making fun of him. Like, oh, he doesn't even have water and here he shits in buckets. And you can see on the little kid's face. He's like, oh, fuck, we don't have water and we're shitting in buckets. Yeah. I didn't even know that was something wrong until these people are making fun of it. And it's also interesting because like in the film, this guy does have war. He's not like that. Like, it, like he's got extreme things about his religiosity, but like people take that and then make all these other assumptions. There's, there's kind of an yeah. interesting commentary about like stereotypes almost mm-hmm. like, well, this guy's a nutter. So clearly he must not have indoor plumbing and he must like, like live this crazy, uh, you know, borderline, uh, Amish lifestyle or something. Yeah. I don't know. Paul was an interesting character. Uh, I like Will Patton a lot. I think he does 
very good character work uh, that I don't see him often enough. Yeah, I just like his his first couple scenes. I thought this could be like Gordon going to like down a Jordan Peele kind of like this is a horror setup. He's going to gut yeah. this family before it's over <laughs> because he's going to hear the voices and. Yeah, it was. That was one of the things I was tense about, right? Um, just yeah. how is this interaction going to take place over the course of these two hours? Um, and, and every time, you know, he would encounter what I consider uh, rural American culture, I was worried for the family all over again. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that says something about me. That's the thing. It's like, I, it's it's tough because like... Um you know, I grew up in a community and I've talked about this a lot that was like, you know, 99 point something like Walter White purity is a whiteness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, I like I didn't think about racism until I got older because like there was nothing for me to like in my daily life is not like, you know, when you go to something that's like a monoculture, there's not a lot. Of, I saw a lot of like hatred and disparity because people you know didn't have money or things like that but like racial there was no racial inequalities that existed in my hometown right um so it's like i yeah i I, and i've also seen that what usually like in the few times i've been in a rural community where someone outside the community moved in maybe they were malaysian maybe they were black maybe they were indian um there is that kind of like oh this is different but like, I you know mo- mostly the community like w- once you find out that people are people and they're kind of decent like may- maybe you make a mental exception oh this must be one of the good ones but like that <laughs> right. what however math I like usually get the get along with your neighbors and that felt true to to because uh, again I didn't see any of that like in uh, my rural Indiana upbringing but I also spent two years in uh, very rural Texas where you did have a lot more kind of like mixing and yeah most people got along with their neighbors yeah. You have to. <laughs> yeah. You got to rely on each other when you're out, out there and there's there's no water and you know, stuff like that. For sure. And a lot of work to be done. Uh, someone's ranch could go up in a gr- br- grass fire because uh, someone fucking. They sh- it shouldn't. It should never happen, right? Like the, this family was just stupid. <laughs> like well, for all his I mean, water stuff, he was dumb with fire. I, it's, it's, it's tough that like because it's clearly the grandma wasn't in her right mind. Well, I'm know? talking about the placement of the fire barrel. Like, oh, don't put it the on dry, the gray, dry yeah. grasslands, man. <laughs> well, man. And also, don't put it next to your food stores. Like I, mm, yeah, the wooden bur- building w- with a literal path of of dried, <laughs> dead grass leading up to it. Yeah, it's a bad idea. Gosh, between this and witness, I had so many childhood memories flood back to me because oh, my dad. <laughs> Uh, my, my grandpa lived on a, a, a farm. Uh, mm-hmm. It was about 150 acres in Waverly, Indiana. Farmed it uh, up until he was in his 70s. Um, so, like, I remember, like, I was very young, like six, seven. But I remember my dad on a, you know, Ford 3000 tractor plowing the fields and planting, helping. Because at that time, granddad was so decrepit. But one time my dad decided he wasn't like there's the, the he he for whatever reason wasn't going to bush hog the fields because that's when granddad stopped farming and we were going to do a controlled burn. Oh, God. These 150 acres. And I, I'm out there as like a, a nine or 10 year old with a wet burlap sack and my dad. Oh. And we're burning one quart and it, it go and it's 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 everything's going like dad's plan. And then the wind shifts in the middle of it. And <laughs> oh, it no. is one of the most fright. I, I could I, you can tell when your dad's like bit off more than he can chew in an experience. I mean, have you ever seen experience where your dad was like out of his depth and kind of nervous about it? 
I think so. I think like, so. He, he, like your dad passes up, uh, uh, I don't know, the family's touring out west and he passes up the last gas station to on Death Valley and family's probably going to be okay, but like he's scared, right? Like that, that was yeah. like that most I've ever seen my dad because he's like, Jesus Christ, we could lose the... Nothing, nothing bad happened. Uh, we were able to keep keep control with the hose, and the wet burlap sacks. But yeah, um, oh, that was yeah. It was, and and the thing is, is also gorgeous. That barn yeah. burning, I, 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 it was one of the most starkly kind of savagely beautiful things I've seen since like the oil well fire, and there will be blood. Sure, and that's what you get from a twenty four. Uh, gorgeously naturally lit night scene of two people saving each other. Yeah, the blacks, uh, the blacks highlighted it, by the yeah. brightest of fires. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. Like, yeah, this is why you buy a TV with good contrast, uh-huh. <laughs> so you can enjoy <laughs> scenes like this. Uh, I would like to know to jump to a little bit of production stuff here. Th- this movie is executive produced by Steven Yun, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I think he was also a champion of this project as well. But also Brad Pitt is an executive producer. I would love to know how that came to be. I looked in and unfortunately there was some work. There was uh, Yan Young Jung, the grandma of the film, um, seems like a real pistol of an older lady. And during her acceptance speech of Oscar, she like chided Brad Pitt for never like, oh, I'm glad to meet you, Mr. Pitt. I, you know, you, you never showed up to any of our any of the days of filming. Oh, boy. And then people ask her. So like sort of, you know, after you 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 make that splash in Hollywood afterwards, people are just peppering her about a relationship with Brad Pitt. And she kept like getting more and more annoyed. So she started saying things like, yeah, I had a conversation I had with Brad Pitt was like, give us more money for the movie and thing. So like I, uh-huh. I tried to find like, what was it about this film that Brad Pitt is like, yes, I want to put. 250 grand but i couldn't because it was all just this uh, fucking tmz shit between uh, this uh, 75 yeah. year old korean grandma and brad pitt who's trying to be like what do you do like if you accidentally piss off this lady uh and she's in the limelight and she's just slacking you, <laughs> you come brad, out and throw punches with her i don't no, know I, just, I, I think he just smiled and nodded and like uh-huh. oh, you're right man like that's and that's the only way that's the only thing you could do for sure but like yeah i couldn't find because i was curious to myself like how does this what? even get onto his radar, right? Like, who, right. who is like it Steve, in his circles that bring this to his attention? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And it had to be, um, it had to be somebody. Like, you, you know, you have to be looking for a project like this to put money into yeah, it, right? Totally. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's a Walking Dead fan and he met Stephen sure. Young and Stephen Young's like, hey, get it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But it's, uh, it was interesting when I looked into it. It was a whole story, just not the story I thought I was going to get. Yeah, it's not it's not like the budget was huge here, right? Like Brad Pitt could reach in his couch cushions, like I said, f- pull this stuff out. So like it, and probably Steven Yun could have single-handedly bankrolled this film if he wanted to. So Yeah. yeah I'm not talking about money. huge amounts of money. I'm I'm sure there wasn't like a big fight over are we going to produce this thing or not, but I don't know. It's, it's an interesting combination of people here. What it there's a, a an, another theme in this movie about uh, hidden dangers being worse and more scary. Yeah, and the they contrasted stuff. that with the snake that was visible versus a snake that's hiding. I also thought I caught a little bit of reinforcement of that with um, 
his heart murmur getting louder and louder, like, you know, more and more noticeable was actually good. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any like theories on where they were going with that? Uh, I wish I did. No. It feels like that with the way he wrote this, where he just took like 80 memories of his youth and started assembling them in like a chronologically and like thematically pleasing that like a lot of this is emergent narrative that might not actually have an intention, any intentionality like these. This is something my grandma said on the bank this day and it it, it stuck with me. Um, And it's like so but like it, it. it, I, I, it could also be when I watch this movie again that I go through and think like, oh, a lot of this is just things made in passing. Um, it's not like, you know, like if I wrote a story my my life and my my granddad told me something wise when I was 13 standing out there at the field. It's not because there is any narrative in it. Just like that's the way it happened, man. You know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. It's this felt so real. Like it, it, it's it's not a, it, it, it is a fictional account, but it's not, you know, mm hmm. And I was thinking about like the comedy in this movie. Um, oh my god! Some of it, some of it is definitely intentional. Like uh, you know, swapping out the the water from the mountains with urine and making your grandma drink it. But how much of of the Mountain Dew stuff that's in this that I find hilarious? Right, like the grandmother thinking. The family thinking that this is mountain from mountain water and it's why good for you? you. And why wouldn't you? Right, buying into the marketing of this terrible uh-huh. product. Um, uh-huh. It's a health drink. How much of that is intentional comedy within the film, and how much of that is just real? Like, you know, uh, first generation immigrants come over and buy into oh, whatever yeah, like marketing you, is like, put in like, front of them. Grandma comes over with her deer antler tea that gives you virility and energy. And you're like, hey, grandma, take this thing is loaded with 300 grams of sugar and 400 milligrams of caffeine. Mm-hmm. And it's like the fucking water from cocoon. <laughs> and she's like, get this deer antler shit out of here. You know, right. like, I think Call a lot of that is just like, yeah, you know, like you, you know, if so say you, you, you hate pizza or pasta or whatever because all you've had is chef boy rd and then you move to italy and you're like oh my god i've been blind well like I've, i wonder if like sometimes when you you change there's a lot of things you miss probably about your old culture but also like not knowing the downsides of drinking mountain dew 24 7 it's got to be an upgrade over deer antler tea you know <laughs> yeah taste wise probably so and in effect like you probably do feel energetic after sure. you drink it like noticeably buzzing there. A lot i know of sugar. i always did uh, and there there are the cultural, I guess, swapping that goes on here is interesting because you talked about um, the kids being sort of a, a mix of cultures here, right? And mm-hmm. David is kind of an exception. Like, he speaks Korean, but he feels very American in his attitudes uh, to the point where at one point he says, like, when his grandma comes over, she smells like Korea in in a disparaging way, right? And and it's something that distresses because there's also a scene where his grandma's like, you know, I've heard that lots of kids don't like sharing their bedrooms. And her mom's like, oh, well, David, he's a Korean kid. That's but then you can the smash cuts to him eyes wide awake as his grandma's snoring on the pallet beside him, you know, <laughs> right. like, no, this kid, he's American in this regard. But but yeah, feeling feeling torn between that, you know, and, and her mom that his mom, who's like clearly pining for um, the old life and the sense of community that she had in Korea and also in the much larger Korean population of LA. 
Yeah, it feels like a, a family in flux culturally. And I think that was super interesting to me because you've got different generations in this family, three generations total here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the, you know, old woman who could be set in her ways kind of isn't as well. Like she picks up a Mountain Dew right away. She's like, boom, this is it. Um, and, and there are other ways in which, you know, she becomes, I guess, more American or looks at things from a more American perspective. But then ultimately, when we're talking about the family who's trying to do things the American way, right? Growing the Arkansas crops um, or, or growing the crops the Arkansas way, uh, doing all these American things like going to a, a Christian church, um, they're, they're ultimately, I think, maybe not saved by the Minari, which is uh, some kind of plant. Um, edible plant the the grandma plants early in the movie if they're not saved by it they're certainly supported by it and bolstered by it so th- there is a little bit of that that korean culture bleeding over into this american life that i i just found fascinating the way that the culture is interwove in this movie I imagine it's there is a lot of bittersweet stuff about being an immigrant into another country because you want your children to assimilate and you want them, you know, you brought them for increased uh, economic opportunity and success. And, and, you know, uh, integration is is important to that. But also it also must be painful, you know, like my yeah, my my granddad's the last member of my family that spoke fluent German. My dad knew a few phrases, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, my granddad went to like all German school, a German speaking church. Like I, I saw that. And then, you know, if I, I was like, you know, if we hadn't moved to Cincinnati, my son probably would have never had like, you know, things like Geta and head mush where like I remember my granddad making that shit. Huh. So it's like it is like you lose a lot um, in terms of. That must feel weird to like, yeah, you came to this country for the opportunity and all that, but also it must feel weird to be assimilated. Yeah. And I imagine a lot of people try and walk a line between the two, right? Like preserve the things that they remember fondly about the old culture and then assimilate into the new culture. And also try to, you know, instill a sense of gratitude in your children of like, you know, which is different and which is better and what's worse. And Mm -hmm. it must be a real trip. I can't, uh, I can't really relate to it, even though immigration is not that super far back in my family. Like, you know, I'm like third generation. Uh, I think it's getting easier to like preserve some of that stuff, right? As more cultures mix here in America, we get more elements of each of those cultures uh, presenting themselves day to day. True. So like you can go down and to, and find a Korean barbecue. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but is it like family. you would was, was it like what it'd be like in Seoul or if sure. it's like what is in Seoul? Can you find something like it was in your like small rural Korean town that uh, you grew up that's, in? And that's I, question, I always yeah. think that every time I go to like uh, Oktoberfest or the, the winter, it's like, is this what it's like to be German American? Right. You know, people wearing Lederhosen with the Alpine hats and the pins and the beer and the schnitzel and the street. I love it. And it's like there is something like, ah, this does feel good to be eating my f- But like this isn't authentic. So even then it's like, yeah, Korean barbecue here is not the same as Korean barbecue in Korea. Sure. It's still gone through the filter of, you know. And at some point it becomes its own thing, right? That's why it's like American Korean or Korean American culture. It's yeah, it's not quite yeah. the same. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's I think that stuff is all really interesting to see, um, you know, people, people, people still going through it. And this is back in the 80s, so it's, it'd be a little even different today. But oh, yeah, 
and in much different uh, California versus Arkansas for sure. Oh man, yeah the the uh, the culture shock and oh and and how how like on the spot like you know they go to church there's no korean church but they go to their branch of church and it's so different and they're made to stand up and everybody you know there's mm-hmm. uh and, and how uncomfortable that made the mother um yeah some so it's interesting there's a lot of interesting scenes there like you know you'd think she'd be happy that she, her kid fit in and is getting invited to sleepovers but also ah oh, no i don't know about that i don't know about you and and did she was right to be concerned because uh-huh. this this kid's a hellraiser. This kid's like soon as like I it's like he's got get, goes right for the whiskey and the tobacco. And I'm like, my God, he's going to get a firearm. If that uh-huh. like if that happens, run, da- run. Is his name David or Daniel? David. Run, David, if he gets the gun out or if he gets like a, a box of matches out by the hay barn. Like this kid is, is completely unsupervised and uh, his parents don't know shit about what he's doing in their home. Yeah, there was also the bedwetting stuff, uh, which I thought was also a factor in not wanting him to sleep over at the friend's house. Oh, Um, yeah, that's true. You're trying to save him from embarrassment. Yeah, it's both for sure. But yeah, dingaling's broken. (laughs) Ding dong, broken. Broken, Ding dong, broken. Broken broken ding dong. That's her grandma. (laughs) First, she says at home, broken, broken, broken penis, and then he's like, "It's not called a piece of yeah." For now, it's broken ding ding dong. Oh my god, (laughs) hilarious. That was hilarious. Uh, him substituting the P slayed mm-hmm. me. Uh, grandma playing cutthroat Korean cards with her Dude, grandchildren. Damn you, little bastard. bastard. <laughs> <laughs> stealing stealing money out of the uh, oh, donation right. tray. Yeah. This is this is a this is a this is a lady to be contended with. I'm telling you. No uh, wonder she's got a an envelope full of cash that she can just hand to her daughter. Oh yeah, yeah. It's the Lord providing, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It, so also, many... her being into American wrestling, I I thought that was hilarious. Like she's just a spitfire. I love this woman. That's I, the I thing. was kind like... of like on on the border about this movie until she showed up and then i was like okay they're finding the right tone here yeah because like there is a lot of relentlessly fascinating things about american culture you Mm -hmm. know uh professional like and and who knows what's going to appeal to what what but like we got something for everybody you know oh yeah there's, there's a lot of different stripes here yeah, and I my I would be I'm sure endlessly fascinated by going to South Korea and watching whatever they got on television, but um I don't know, maybe they're that cuz like it's, it does seem like Korean culture is like very much on the rise. Like uh-huh. uh, I can't think of a single project that I've seen like 5 years ago and now I've seen as, you know, 10 15 different things. So like in, in media and, and cuisine and music, yeah. Sure. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, like this is like a, a full spectrum. Uh, this is a Korean invasion, oh, much no. like much like the British one that we endured before. My God, uh-huh. my God, our, 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 the, what, what's going to happen next? Our music's going to get better. Our food's <laughs> going to be tastier. Will be forever changed, Aaron. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. I don't. Oh uh, look, look, look at the hell that we live in culturally in America from all this mixing and taking the best of every culture and making it into our own. Where it's going to stop? Where's it going to stop, Jim? I don't know. Uh, I got nothing much more to say about the film other I, than I, I want to talk about the 
end a little bit more because it's the okay. it's it's the part that I kept expecting to get throughout the entire movie the the tragedy right yes. everywhere I look there are signs of tragedy on the horizon with the kids heart murmur and uh, watch for the hidden danger it's hidden danger you gotta, right, gotta watch out Paul for being yeah. weird and then all mm-hmm. this yeah this hidden snake stuff and I'm like and the crops the crops too I'm just him growing stuff and it seems to be other than the the fighting in the family between the parents it seems to be success after success after success mm-hmm. um until you get to the very end where the relationship falls apart because he's um an absent father in a lot of ways and then the crops burn and mm-hmm. and I I kind of felt it was coming. Oh, and and the tragedy of the grandma having the stroke too. Yes, uh, that was a big blow. Just as she was, was getting, just as she was making inroads into the children, you know, um, and made that connection with with uh, David as she's trying to all move you along. She has a stroke that night. Yeah, the hidden danger. Yeah, it was it was pretty gut wrenching at the end. I was getting choked up uh, mm-hmm. watching, you know, this family, especially the scene where. Uh, I think her name's Monica. Yeah, the wife. Yeah, tells tells Jacob that's it. I'm done. It's like I can't go on like this. I've lost my faith in you. Yeah, you clearly don't care about us the way we care about you. Um, that that was a tough scene, and then to go right from that to the destruction of everything he's worked for, the, everything that he spent his time actually doing when he should have spent his time saving the family. Uh, yeah, that was rough. And that was so act, that that's what I wanted to talk about the performances because yeah. it's like they they spent a long time on Monica's face as she's processing the various bits first the good news about David his heart murmur is getting better then the fact that he almost miraculously sold his entire allotment to this uh nice uh Korean food supplier guy and everything was looking up and I was like I could tell just on the performance something wasn't sitting right with her yeah. And that like moment of where things should have like he's like, hey, things are going to get easier now. She's like, yeah, you, you you pulled it all together this time. But I've seen the degree of difficulty. I see how much where your energy and your intention and your love is being directed. And I don't see us kids fitting in there. And even the way they did um, with the, 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 the use of spacing like they have as as uh steven young's character jacob is getting this good news and he's turning away from the guy he is in like focus and or out of focus and he's like in shade and his wife and his kids are like sharply in focus in the background like there's physical Mm. distance between you know the thing of his success and the family and her whole monologue about how like she's lost all his faith in him and she doesn't believe in the stuff like so effective that it kind of turned me against the ending a little bit. Oh, with him coming back together. I, I think the ending is extremely well engineered. I engineered is giving it is kind of damning it a little bit, bit too much, right? It does feel natural, but it also feels like, okay, this is the moment where the entire family is going to have experiences that bring them back together, right? The, the fire is going to reunite mm-hmm. the husband and the wife, Sure. The grandma walking off is going to reunite David with the grandma one final time uh, and his sister with him. And everyone is going to come together in this scene. And, and I appreciated that. I really liked it, even if it did feel a little bit engineered. 
But I think it is. It's it it's portrayed as an act of faith. Like you know, when the chips are down, she's not ready to lose Jacob. Sure. Uh, yeah. And she she realized that, and. I think you're right that like water dowsing was the like, okay, she's invested, but now things are going to be different. This is her dream too. Yeah. Yeah. It's the family's dream. I, I like yeah. it. Yeah. And I, I, cause like I, I was always on his side kind of like, yeah, if you work in California all your life and you barely are able to make it going out into rural and a rural area with like a hundred acres and you know, it's just a better deal, man. You've like got something that you could build on. You've, you, you, um, it's riskier, it is, but it's it's ultimately better. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm a pretty big proponent. If you're barely making it in California or New York City, uh, say or right now, fucking yeah, fi- find the find a college town in an r- otherwise rural area of an America and your life is probably going to be better. You know, I can't yeah, tell you about like what's going to be like living away from your family, friends and all that kind of stuff. But just purely economic terms and like. Square footage and things like that. It's it's going to be better, you know. Uh, yeah, let's colonize rural America. Uh, it uh, it could it could use some influ- an influx of uh, uh, of good people. Uh, we talked real quickly. We talked about um, you know Brad Pitt and uh, maybe some of the controversy around that uh, and how he <laughs> interacted with this film. But Grandma Yi didn't get along. There was another controversy around this movie around the Golden Globes. Um, yeah. the Golden Globes n- put this movie into the best foreign language film category as opposed to the best picture drama um, mm-hmm. category and a lot of people got up in arms about that um, and they, they did sp- they specifically put it in that category because the rules of that category are 50% or more of the mo- more than 50% of the movie has to be in a foreign language um, yeah. and a lot of people as didn't as like it is, boom it's foreign language yeah, and a lot of critics and a lot of uh, people did not appreciate the fact that th- what feels like a very American movie, a movie made in America, um, a is. movie set in America about a, a lot of American stuff. Directed um, by an American director. He was born uh-huh. in Arkansas. <laughs> from right. Korea. Yeah. They like, would it's be America's put fuck. into that foreign film category. And I... But I, I look at it and I say, okay, I understand your arguments here. What probably needs to happen is that category name needs to be changed. Because what is what is the purpose of that category? Is the category meant to spotlight films that most English-speaking people wouldn't see because they're in a foreign language? Or is that meant to spotlight foreign cultural ideas? So you probably need to change the category title, right? To me, yeah, like I, I think it's 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 its intention is good. Like, uh, try to draw attention to an underserved part of the market. You know, like uh-huh. uh, if you don't have a foreign, foreign, and it's also unfortunate it's foreign language instead of foreign because if it's foreign, exactly. then it's like okay, well, if it's not directed by an American, it's set and it's in, then it's but like foreign language, that's where you get because I think what didn't sit, what stuck in people's craw is the idea that this very American story told by an American. Mm-hmm. Um, Made in America, set in America. Starring yeah. an American, like, uh-huh. uh, uh, you know, the, but just because they, you know, they spoke a different language, which you can do in America. You can. A you can be a full-ass American citizen yep. and, 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 and still speak a foreign language, like my grandpa. Um, that is a foreign, an alien. Right. Uh, an outside film. It, it, it was like. I get it, that. 
Totally. And, and the thing is, but I think the the end result is, yeah, like anytime you have something where a real life result makes everybody feel like, oh, this is uncomfortable. It's probably a time to like, you know, look and and uh, at the rules and and uh, see what happens, because this is yeah. in, in the Oscars. It just competed for best picture. Like, I think it should have, you know, because it's not right, a foreign right. film. No, I think as, you know, America becomes more and more and more diverse. Um, yeah, sure. I, ideas like, oh, if you speak a foreign language, there's something foreign about you. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, you can't even call these languages foreign. They're right. they're just part of America where we speak a whole hell of a lot of languages. Yeah, many countries have bilingual, you know, our neighbors to the north uh new zealand has two official state languages many uh, places in europe are bi trilingual um right and and how important is it to make a distinction based on what language is being spoken versus cultural ideas that that to me is the more interesting distinction is like spotlight something that is foreign from american cultural perspectives cuz that's where you start to really learn something not not what words they're speaking but what ideas are they conveying? Yeah. Yeah. What else do we want to talk about? I think that's about it. I'm good. Uh, it's a great movie. I think everybody should check it out. It's actually... Uh, I don't think it's capable of being rented. Like, I think I saw that you can't rent this until, like, April of 2022. But you can purchase it. I purchased it on uh, Apple Apple TV uh, for, like, 14 bucks, And it looked amazing. Yeah, it's a great looking film. Uh, It's very heartwarming. Like I said, it made me feel good about being an American Mm -hmm. and uh, it's a quintessentially American story. All right. That'll do it for this uh, prestige film. I can't tell you what the one we're working on next time because me and Jim uh, did this as an evergreen recording uh, sometime in January for us to be released later when one of us goes on vacation or something. So uh, all I can say is next week there will be another awesome prestige film or hopefully an awesome prestige television show to talk about and uh we we hope to see you there until then i'm aaron and i'm jim later